episode three, Climbing the Corporate Ladder. So today we are here with Melissa, the co-founder of Femtrepreneur. What's up, Melissa? Hey. Hey. And this is Arielle. You might have heard me on our last podcast. Melissa interviewed me. So today we're basically going to talk about Melissa, what she's up to these days, how she climbed the corporate ladder in such a short period of time in a male-dominated industry, what that's like for her and how she can help you and basically, you know, give some insight into her career and how she got here today. So, you know, just to start off, Melissa, just we'll talk about schooling later, but how old are you? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What's your family life like? Tell us about your parents. So I'm 26 years old. I grew up on Long Island and I'm from Holtzville and I went to uh, Sachem East (laughs) High School. (laughs) And, um, you know, just to give you some background on my family life, I have a brother. He's three years older than me. He's awesome. Love him. And then my two parents are incredible as well, Rosanna Alfredo, and they are beautiful and lovely immigrants. I love them so much. Tell everyone about your parents, what your upbringing was like, where they're from, what they're all about. So my uh, my parents were born and raised in Portugal, so they came to America when they were in their early 20s, um, and they didn't have me and my you know my brother and I until they were in their 30s, but they're truly just incredible people. I, I grew up in a very uh, strict household, and when I say strict household, I truly mean that it was strict mainly just for me as the daughter, <laughs> um, and my brother sort of lived like a free-for-all type of lifestyle, but... I don't regret that for a second. If I could go back, I would have them raise me the same exact way. Growing up in a household like that, what were your interests growing up? Were you allowed to play sports? What was the deal with that? So, you know, it was funny because I truly feel that, like, if maybe if I didn't have an older brother, my life would be a lot different. Um, but I was just, like, a super creative, very introverted child at first. And I think my brother really saw that and was like, all right, we can't let her just, like, play by herself at home. Like, she has to make friends. And so he was good for something. Yeah, he was good for something. You know, <laughs> we'll let him slide on all the other things. But uh, but he really, like, sort of talked my parents into that, like, you know what? Like, there's a softball league I saw an advertisement for. Like, let's sign her up. So <laughs> that was the first sport I ever played when I was maybe, like, I don't know, 10 or 11. Um, totally hated softball. Uh, I loved batting, but I hated catching. I was so bad at it. So how was that? Like, were you allowed to, you know, go out with friends? Were, what did you do in middle school, going into high school? Where did you go to high school? What was that like? Yeah, when I was younger, um, if I wanted to hang out with a friend, they had to come to my house. Like, I wasn't allowed to go to theirs. Um, my parents had these, like, weird, like, I, I say it had to be, like, a foreign thing, but it'd be like, <laughs> if you're sleeping at someone's house, what if someone comes through the window and takes you? And I'm like, they could probably do that here, too. Honestly, like, that's a serious concern. <laughs> if I'm going to get taken, concern. I'm probably going to get taken anywhere. Um, but that w- they were always so, like, anxious over these things. So, I, if you know, if I, had, if I wanted to hang out with a friend, they had to come to my house. Uh, they had to hang out with me. Um, but I think that that established such a close knit relationship with me and my mom. Um, and you know, because of that, like her and I have always been like a very best friend type of relationship. And I've always been that kid. That's like when there's, there was like a party in high school. I'm like, I'd rather hang out at home. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. I was very, I guess like odd in a sense, but I guess that goes back to like my, by nature, I am very introverted, even though I'm, I do a good job of pretending that I'm not. I feel like a lot of people are like that, but that's not odd at all because those are things that I feel like as you get up and you grow older, you kind of look back and you're like, wow, you know, I really yes. missed out on those moments. I kind of wish that I was like that. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, the older you get, you value that more and you learn a lot. Yes. You know, you say your parents are from Portugal. I'm sure they've taught you a lot. What are some of the different things that they brought from their culture over here to show you? Primarily, it's all about work ethic in my house, like 1000% about work ethic they don't like my parents do not appreciate lazy people or lazy things lazy types of days like they don't do that like if it was a weekend and I was in bed at noon like my mom would come in and be like are you sick like is there something wrong they would hate me as their child (laughs) they do not they do not put up with lazy and my mom is also incredibly OCD so like 
if you left, um, you know, dishes in the sink, like she could not go to bed unless they were washed. Like she was just an animal. And I think that has also started like, but that created my discipline. You're an animal. If you yeah, your home. You're an animal. But like, I mean, in like a savage way, not in like a, like a dirty type Savage is in like a, you're a G, Mama Rosa. Literally. You hold the house down. Respect. 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 So in high school, you didn't really like going out. Like, what did you do? Did you have any interests? Like, what got you into what you do now? Like, where did it start? So I was in the stereotype, obviously, growing up with a brother and he had a ton of guy friends I was by nature just like attracted to the sports realm you know they would either force me to watch sports or I wasn't allowed to watch tv at all so I was like super into hockey I was a diehard New York Ranger fan and that passion um, for that and I had a you know a passion for uh, broadcast journalism and I loved like the announcers and I kind of awkwardly loved that they were all guys because I'm like I could come and just be the you know first female like so I was like all over it um, and at the time they had, um, you know, I honestly haven't, I haven't watched hockey in a while, but at the time they had, uh, the Islanders had Deb Kaufman as, uh, their, you know, intermission journalist and she would do all their talk shows for the intermissions. And I was like, I want to be her for the New York Rangers. So that was, I had a passion for sports and a passion for the broadcast side of things. And then when I went to Manhattanville, which I will, you know, get into my oh, sure, let's get into my that college education, let's get into some college education. But I chose Manhattanville primarily because they would let me play field hockey and lacrosse, and I didn't want to pick between one or the other. I wanted to play both. And when I went there, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll just pick communications as my major because it, you know, sort of covers PR, marketing, advertising, um, journalism as well. And I was like, you know, this could be good. Like, I'll get like a good gist of what the industry is like. And then I can always go in through it, get a job, you know, go the NBC route or like the ESPN route. So that was sort of what sparked my interest in that. So then throughout your college career, what did you do? Like, did you do any like internships? Did you, how did you kind of find like your niche in the market? So that I would probably say is one great reason why. I'm so passionate about femme and what we're doing because growing, you know, being in college, like the first internship that I ever had was my senior year spring semester. And if you can imagine, you'll put yourself in a college student's shoes. It's senior year, spring semester, half of your friends already have jobs. You have no idea what's going on. You haven't even had an internship yet. I was in full panic mode. Like I had this dream of walking through the city with like notebooks in one hand and a coffee in the other. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be in the corporate world. And then, you know, spring semester senior year came and I'm like, I haven't even had an internship. And I was, I was throwing my resume to every source. I was applying like mass applying to places and I never got one email back. And then, you know, all my friends are coming into my room. Oh, I just got a call back from this place. Got a call back from that place. And then, you know, I was really starting to get discouraged because my dream job was to work for MSG and work with the New York Rangers. And a girl came in her senior year and was like, Oh, I just got an internship at MSG. And I'm like, holy shit, like, this is it. Like, I'm not, like, I'm useless. Like, at this point, there's no hope for me. Okay, but Um, this, cutting into real quick, this goes back to, again, if you listen to the podcast, comparing yourself with other people. Yes, yes. You never can because there's, you know, one door closes, another door opens. Yes. As corny as that statement is, it's just so the truth. I totally agree with that. I mean, I have a flaw with definitely comparing myself to other people and successes. Um, you know, and in trying so hard to like you know, measure up, but I got what I would say is, is lucky is that I was lucky enough to go to a college and play on a team with someone, you know, in it, within an organization, um, with really incredible human beings. So we had an alumni day at my school and a few field hockey alumni came back and it was an, you know, an awesome game. And I had to do a speech for them because I was the captain of the team. And when I'm doing my speech, like people are coming up to me going, oh, nice job. Like, you know, thank you so much for like putting this all together, which like I really, you know, hadn't, I hadn't put it all together. But like (laughs) I, at that point, I just like, you know, fake it till you make it. I just owned it. And I'm like, oh, you're welcome. You're all very welcome. And I heard this woman talking about her job and what she was doing. And I'm like, that role sounds incredible. What you're doing sounds 
exactly like what I want to do. She was working in the sports industry. She was building brand campaigns and marketing campaigns for clients. I mean, she was truly on the front end of their live event production and their in-game production. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to be in that. I wanted to be all over it. So I essentially, what I like to refer to as like a, uh, you know, a nonviolent stalking on LinkedIn, a nice little network <laughs> sesh, um, messaged her that's instantly. Like, that's like corporate lingo for, yeah. yo, I was stalking yes, on Instagram literally. and saw you in the DM. Yeah. And this was before <laughs> like LinkedIn notified you when someone looked at your page. I probably looked at her page every single day oh for like weeks. And I'm like, please message me back. Please message me back. Um, and I said, I just, you know, one simple question. I was like, Hey, like, it was really nice to meet you at the alumni day. Um, really loved hearing about your business and where you work. And it would be awesome if I could just, you know, get an interview with, for an internship. And I wasn't even at that point looking for an internship because I was like, I had lost hope. So I was just going guns blazing in any direction that was like willing to have me. That's how Um, you get ahead though. You have to ask. I mean, how the hell was she supposed to know that I even wanted to work there or had a passion for that industry had I not reached out to her? Um, And I know there was a few other people on my team that were super interested in it, but the difference is that none of them followed up with her none of them asked her you know and and I don't know if maybe she saw something in me I like to think so don't you feel like other people kind of hold back and don't really push forward or aren't aggressive until they're kind of a little bit older and comfortable I agree I know I absolutely think that's true and this was always something that people told not that that's not necessarily that people told me but I saw like a lot of people that were succeeding at these things. That's what they were doing. They were literally stalking on LinkedIn. They were messaging. And I was like, you know what? I'm not too good to beg. Like, I'm not too proud to beg. No, but it's not even about begging. Like, 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 what I've, no, it's true. What what I find a lot of people think, like, oh, that's being creepy. Yeah. Like, oh, you're looking like, you know, in today's day and age, it's like, oh, you're looking like you're trying too hard or you're being too extra, is what people like to say. No way. Be extra. No, you don't get anywhere unless you hustle. Like you said, fake it till you make it yes. you hustle you gotta ask questions I love when people are extra and she had actually she messaged me back um and she was like oh it's you know it's funny that you that you're asking because we're about to open up an internship and you know we can definitely bring you in for an interview and I went in for an interview um you know she, I from I didn't know then but I definitely know now that she was truly pushing for me and again, like, I like to think that maybe she saw something in me, yes. but I know that she was like, I know that she was fighting for me um, because again, I had zero experience in corporate America. I had worked my entire life in my, like at, at my mom's job in a greenhouse doing manual labor. Like, I would come home filthy, my head covered in soil and You know like, what though? What I people had no don't, corporate yeah, experience. You know what people don't realize is that you doing that physical labor, you know, mentally toughened you. Yes. And made you a go-getter yeah a thousand percent so I I interned for about like four months and then I graduated that May and you know I was told the entire time that there was no full-time job opportunity for me so I was constantly applying to other places but again not hearing back uh you know, I was following up and there was never really an answer from anyone. And I was, I was trying. I definitely think that I was trying. I think maybe I could have done things a bit differently, but I was, I was definitely trying. And then all of a sudden, like it's the last day of my internship and my manager, this, this woman pulls me into a conference room and she's like, do you want to work here? And I'm like, uh, yes, a thousand percent. And she's like, okay, because if you want to work here, like, we're, you know, we have a job opening and we'd love for you to apply. We'd love to interview you for the role. Like, let's, you know, let's get it going. And I interviewed for the role. Um, they ended up hiring me. What did you have to do at this internship? What were your tasks? Like, how did you prove yourself? And, you know, how did you make her see like, wow, I'm really going to put in for this and yeah. hope that she gets hired? So I was, during my internship, I was sort of a hybrid between our communications and marketing department and then between the client services department. Um, and on the marketing side, uh, they're in charge of all the uh, LED rotational courtside signage for a, you know, a number of our MBA teams. So my role there was truly to like watch NBA games and screenshot pictures of our partners running on their signage. So anyone will tell you that's like a dream internship, like you're watching basketball games and screenshotting pictures. I mean, 
how could I ever complain? <laughs> and then, uh, and obviously I, I just loved what I was doing. And then when I would work with her on the client service side, I just loved how dedicated each of them were to their to the actual work. And I loved how they were on the front lines of each of these clients. So I would see, you know, my internship, I would go in, you know, from 12 to five and I would see that at five o'clock here, you know, here's Melissa leaving at five, but like none of them were leaving and none of them were stopping their work. None of them were packing their stuff up. Like they were true go-getters. So I started to be like, all right, well, if I want to mesh in with this culture, like I need to be like that too. So I would start asking for more work. I'd start seeing if there was other things that I could do. I would start mingling a little bit more to find out what is there other than this, like to this business, like what else do I need to know? So do you think being like that kind of made her see like, wow, this girl is really pushing and, you know, I think I'm going to put in for her to work here. A thousand percent. Um, I've had, and you know, since I've worked at ANC and since I've sort of gained to the, you know, come to the role that I'm at now, we've had about like four or five interns. And that's one thing that I can truly say, like sets them apart. If you're just like going through the motions, I mean, if I'm delegating you a task, I'm super busy on my day to day basis. So if you're yeah, ever, you someone to hold their hand. yeah, if yeah. you're like sitting at your desk and you're not doing anything and you haven't said, you didn't ever give me a task today. And I just want to give you like a quick reminder. Like if you're just sitting at your desk and not saying a word, I'm going to be pissed when I realize that like two hours has passed when I've been doing this one task yeah. and you haven't said a word. So do you think like, so just cutting in, do you think? that that's good advice for people in general when trying to you know transition from college maybe into an internship or internship into a Mm full-time job do you think that's like a valid piece why don't you seem valid I don't know (laughs) that that word just keeps coming on my tongue I like valid I'm I'm a valid person do you think that's a valuable piece of information to give young girls who are really especially in your male-dominated industry to help really push and, you know, progress within the industry? Absolutely. I think all, you know, too many times we just sort of sit back and it's like, oh, well, like there's no opportunity here. So I'm just going to like do the bare minimum. And it, no one told me that I was getting a full-time job at the end of my internship. I just kept showing that no, I, that I wanted to thing. learn. Yeah. I kept showing that I wanted to learn. I kept showing that I wanted to work. And now I'm the director of the department. No one told me I was getting a full-time job four and a half years ago. And do you think in being that it is a male dominated industry, do you think that it was very difficult to do that? Do you think you had to prove yourself that much more? Yes. I think in my office setting, particularly where the proving comes in is when you're actually having conversations with your male coworkers because they don't want to talk about the new Kylie lip kits that came out. You I, know, do. I do. I <laughs> do. I want to talk for, for hours about that, but like they want to talk about their fantasy football teams. They want to talk about sports. So sometimes you know, we have that conversation with a lot of like females in the workplace where it's like, if you want to mingle with your coworkers, sometimes you really have to like do research on stuff that really does not, you don't it's care just, about. But going more into that, like what is your work? culture slash demographic or just what is the office like is it I just you know obviously like I said I know a lot about Melissa so I know it is male dominated just tell us about that yeah so when I first started and this is what's been crazy to me and and also like awesome at the same time is I actually like when I first started I liked it I was naive and I didn't understand but I liked that it was legit all men in the office because it felt natural to me because I grew up with a brother who had the same nine best friends since I was six years old. So I was used to being in a pack of guys on a consistent basis. So for me, when I walked into the office and I was like, oh, I'm sitting in a conference room with 10 people and there's two women. It felt natural. It felt natural. Like I never even questioned it. And then when it got to the point where I was like, wait, there's... 10 men and you know two women and then my manager left and I was like there's 10 men and one woman and I'm like and I'm the only one and I'm 23 years old and I don't have enough like clout at the company at that time to, to really speak to speak yeah. up and I was nervous about saying things and I will have to say like I didn't feel that way because people made me feel that way I felt that way because I it's was like, like stigma yeah, yeah it's like if you're a female and you're gonna speak up in a room full of men you better know exactly what the hell you're talking about yeah do you feel like when you spoke up it was kind of like condescending like oh, she's talking. I think it definitely differed in the setting that I was in. I'd gone on like client meetings at times where someone would be like, oh, uh, 
didn't realize you were so young. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm like I'm a female and I'm young. Oh, so. that's like a whole other. I'm like, so this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, I hope you guys still think that I'm good at what I'm doing because you loved me when I was in New York and now that I'm here at the venue, I hope you don't think anything different. But <laughs> yeah. I was sort of forced in that respect to to just grow up as like a person. I'm a naturally, I want to say like a bubbly personality. I laugh at just about everything, and sometimes that's taken out of context in an unprofessional manner. So in the office setting, I truly had to change. You don't have to LOL after every email. You, you know, that's a problem that I have. Like because... you can be stern in an email and not, you know, and not yes. come off like a certain way. You don't have to LOL. You don't have to ha ha ha. The CEO of your company doesn't want to see the ha ha ha. He doesn't care. I mean, not only is that unprofessional. Exactly. It's just a little piece of information for those out there that are just getting into their careers. That is pr- unprofessional, you know, sending... Although I am one for smiley faces and the LOL and the ha 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 and just like Melissa, I love to laugh at everything and I feel the need to always say that at every sentence is it's not professional, especially in professional emails. So, you know, even though you might have a coworker who knows you or is similar, it's kind of Mm -hmm. just like, ooh, that's a little, it's a little unprofessional. But like you're saying. You know who you can can do it with. Yeah, you know who you can Um, do it with. But it's also difficult because for me, I feel like it's it's not passive aggressive, but I almost feel like men can kind of just make a statement yeah. and it's like, okay, whereas women yeah. are just like make the statement and then need to like ease it with like a hee hee. Yes. Whereas, you know, in today, today, like we're trying to break that. We're trying to like, how a did you, percent. how did you change that? How did you, you know, say stuff without feeling guilty? I can't lie. Like you, it's anyone who says like they did something completely by themselves. Like, I'm not going to call them a liar, but there's always something that, like, is helping the situation a little bit. And I think in my case, it was truly my CEO. Like, he had my back from day one. Like, he knew, especially when I was first starting off, I think he saw, you know, maybe potential or he saw, like, that I gave a shit. Like, because you could tell. I truly came in and I was so eager to work. I was so excited to be there. And, like, he was really one of those people that's like, I got your back. If someone's giving you a problem, I got your back. So I'm like, all right, well, CEO of the company has my back. So I'm going to I'm gonna speak up. First of all, amazing to hear because I feel in so many instances you hear so many stories and it's like these women go into these situations or these young girls go into these situations and the upper management or you know the up to the CEO yes. kind of are just like oh yeah that's and cute. there's a lot of people that you you don't consider when you're sort of on like the ground like when I was just an account coordinator I never spoke to like VPs I never spoke to the higher ups I saw them in passing no, I'd say hello goodbye I, yeah. but it wasn't like it, it wasn't that connection and then all of a sudden you know I got I'm at the coffee machine and our CEO's like hey how do you like your job? Like, are you having a good time here? And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So from the age of like 22, I was exposed to speaking to all those C-level executives. And I truly think that like by him sort of supporting me, I tell him all the time now, like he created a monster because it makes you feel like a human being. Because I was like, I'm I'm going, I'm going on a limb here. (laughs) No, because not a lot of people go into a scenario like that like me I like to be hands on with my employees where you hear of other places and you're like who? Oh that person works here? Yeah it's your CEO oh my god I didn't even like you never even know you've never even seen a picture of this person and you're like wow like this is who I work for so I think that's so essential that was a huge reason why I loved I loved 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 working there because and I you know still obviously love working there because he is in the office every day I mean, he built that company from the ground up, and you see that in his, like, passion for that it. It also teaches your employees or teaches yes, you that work percent. ethic and to be, like, the person's leading by example, yeah. and you're just taking after that and be like, you know, I want to be like that, and this is how he's built his company, yeah. and I want to be that. It was, like, his thing to shout, like, girl power through the office. That's amazing. So he would go, like, he would go walking down the aisle, and he'd be like, Melissa, let's go, spark up the ladies, girl power, and he was all over it, all over it. It was absolutely incredible, and I know that, like, again, at the time, like, when I had first started, I, I would look around in many conference rooms, we would have department meetings, and I'm like, again, yeah, the only girl in here, the only girl in here, and now, like, I can confidently say, like, approaching my 
five-year anniversary, there are so many females in our office. That's amazing. So many females. And in different departments. I mean, we've created departments, and it's been at capacity with females. And, of course, there's always, uh, like, certain industries and certain trades that um, aren't, you know, female-dominated, which hopefully with femme we can change these things and and bring more light. Um, It is incredible because I look back and I'm like, holy crap, there was a time where there was maybe four women in this office. Where there was one. Yeah, or, like, or literally there was one and I know that we're on the right track but again like I always say the issue is not in hiring the women it's in the promotions of women and in the development of women um and with someone like me you know I had my CEO who was like speak up like if you have something to say you need to say it and not nobody nobody really has that and I I was lucky enough to work in a very large company they do a lot of work and they bring in a lot of revenue but we run like a small tight-knit operation and I was fortunate to have that be my first job that I got out of college so do you think that is (laughs) I'm not gonna say valid this time (laughs) do you think it's valuable information for young girls to speak up like what do you think the limitations are on that I think you have to you have to speak up but I also say you have to speak up within reason like again you have to know what you're talking about yeah, like if you you're can't gonna be speak up yeah. don't just be a brat like I, you know because I've had people who are like I mean it's day one of their job and they're complaining about their their leaders and I'm like okay maybe maybe you need to take a step back because it's day one <laughs> you're not entirely certain what the company even does yet and you know and I've had friends who have like issues with their jobs and with their management I always say take a step back figure out what really is the root of the issue. Is it communication? Are you not communicating? Are they not communicating? Yeah, because it's not always them. You know, and I just recently had an instance like this, which I was like 3 million percent convinced that I was 100% right. There was no convincing me otherwise. And I was going to go to bat for this till I died. And I'm, you know, I was in the, I'm in the middle actually of reading a book called Extreme You by Susan Rob O'Hagan. And there's a huge chapter that she devotes to getting out of your own way. So like, yeah, you might feel like you're 100% right about something. But at the same time, there are people who... Who also think they're 100% right. Who also think they're 100% right. And you need to either come to a middle ground or see maybe they're right about certain things and maybe you're right about certain things. And how do we marry both accurate perceptions together? And and not only that, maturely and effectively addressing it appropriately in a professional manner. Exactly. And I have a, and I know that I have like a huge flaw. I'm a very emotional person. Anything that I'm invested in, it's a hundred, it becomes like all of my life. It's so hard to disconnect. It's It's impossible to disconnect. I will leave my office and like think about work like I'm just constantly immersed in work um do you think that's something wait sorry to cut you off but do you think that's something that gets in your way like for example if you have to yell at someone or delegate something to someone do you find you're emotional in terms of like oh man like I'm I feel guilty that I did that or do you think of it in terms of like you're too emotional in terms of like oh my god I have to keep on my phone and be on top of my clients. Yeah, I think as a as a leader in particular, uh, my management style is probably very different than a lot of people who are in a, a sort of position of power, I guess you could say. Um, I manage four people right now, and together we all manage a, probably around 300 clients for the company. And my style of management is everybody's on the honor code, in my opinion. So if you want to work from home and tell me that, you know, you're sick, but then I find out that you took a vacation or that you're like <laughs> at like the mall, the <laughs> you will never be able to work from home again. Like I'm that you, once you violate my trust, that's, I like that. it's no, like so a total it's like, cut. It's like, because just, we're all grown. Yeah. It's we're like we're, we're adults. Do what you have to do, and, like, if you want to be the one to break that, then that's on you. Yeah, and I'm all about, like, one of my huge initiatives is mental well-being, and I find that a lot of times we don't have, like, work-life balance. It's non-existent. So if one of my employees emails me on a Monday morning and goes, listen, I had a really rough weekend, like, I'm super stressed, can I work from home? I'm not going to judge their mental capacity. Like they are grown-ups. They can tell me how they feel. And if that's the case, I will absolutely let them work from home. I have no problem doing that because at the end of the day, like, um, you know, I know that they're putting in the work because I see them every day. They sit in a room with me. We all are very tight-knit, very close group. And again, this is 
corporate America, we can all be adults. We can all be mature. Not only that, that goes into the whole thing of basically showing your employees that you appreciate them. Yes. Yes. And my whole, you know, my whole point before about even like mental well-being as well is just, I, I've listened to a ton of podcasts. I've read a ton of articles. People, you know, CEOs and, and presidents write articles all the time about how you need to put your phone down at 6 p.m. and don't answer right, an email. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm glad that you can do it as a CEO and president because you like I don't know if you're lying to the public but like do, think, yeah. but like my question for them would be do you know for a fact that your employees are doing that because in my style of management as well is like if I'm, I'm never, ever, ever going to abuse my employees. If my employees are staying till nine or 10 o'clock at night, you will find me sitting right next to them. And I know there's a ton of people who are like, that's unhealthy. You have to delegate. But at the same time, like it is like, how are you going to expect your employees to do something? I, if you're Exactly. Not? Like yeah. I, I physically like cannot, and I mentally cannot fathom that thought. Like, Oh, see you guys later. I'm leaving at five. Like yeah, well, you guys, you guys can, away. can yeah. rot in here and, and figure this out. Like I will, yeah. I would never, ever do that and I truly you know find me in 10 years when I'm a VP and ask me I'm a thousand percent positive I'll say the same exact thing but even going into the whole unrealistic of like you know you asked me when you interviewed us on the last interviewed me on the last podcast you asked me do I do you find a work life balance and you know I also said no it's just not going off what you said it's not realistic to sit there and be like Put your phone down. Oh, God, Meditate no. for five hours. And that's all Jim Dandy if you can. Yeah. That is fantastic. Again. Yeah, more power to you. More if power you can. to you, ladies, <laughs> men, gents. If you're listening everyone. to this and, that's, and you can do that, stay in the job that you're in as long yes, as you can. Amen. And you're healthy and happy, Melania. Good for you. For us, for me, from what I've seen, it's just not realistic and not... Not because of it's like, oh, I'm so busy and this and that. It's just not realistic because it's setting these high perfectionist expectations of like, my life has to be this perfect storybook of like, I'm going to meditate for an hour and do gym for an hour and eat leafy greens for 20 you know what I mean it's like whatever works for you works for you so even if that's like okay I it's more realistic to be like put your phone down for five minutes and be present and then it's like all right then we'll hop back on it yeah just being realistic I do I do think and for me like I know one thing that helps me and people think I'm like crazy but my work phone is separate from my personal phone so I do have two phones that I carry around on like an all-around basis and some of my friends will be like we're out to dinner it's nine o'clock like why do you even have your work phone I'm like you just don't get it I'm like, I just need to, I just need to be available. Like I like to be available. I don't want anyone to text me and then me not be able to answer. Um, that's just your work ethic. Maybe someone else handles it differently. Yes. That's, that's how I am. That's how I choose to, to manage. And I, I mean, you can interview my, my uh, employees and see how they feel, but I choose to believe that that is what has created that culture in my department. Because culture is a huge thing for me. And it's not just like what you wear to the office or like no, who you talk it's to. Everything. It's literally, yeah. it's your work ethic. It's how you are as a person. It's your happiness. Like, and I mean, I've like, there have been times where I've worked around the clock, but I go home and I'm so happy because I'm like, I love what I'm doing. Yeah, because you feel productive yeah. and you have a strong team. Exactly. And I think that you, if you're ever like truly, truly unhappy in what you're doing, you know, you need to transition out. Do you think this is a huge part of what pulled you into them? Uh, is uh, the culture, yes. the ethic? Oh, yeah. Um, I think in my, sort of with my experience, you know, growing up, obviously my mom, she worked for our town. She did manual labor. One she of was, the hardest workers I know. She's a hustler. Like, I can't lie. She's she does it all. She to this day. It literally does not stop. I mean, this is a woman that had three jobs when she was pregnant with my brother and I. This is like... a woman. Okay, <laughs> so I visited Long Island, where Melissa's from. What, like two weeks ago? There's a huge snowstorm. She's getting home, getting home from work at nine in the morning from being out plowing snow all night. She's and a, you know, yeah, happy. She drives than the ever, big trucks. <laughs> wants to catch up with the girls, sitting talking. She's so cute. Melissa, what can we go do? And this is what what day was this even? She gets home and we're both like, what? And she's like, wants to Literally. take you out to breakfast. And yep. 
just a phenomenal woman. This, anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Oh my god, yeah, you're so right. Yeah, she's she's like, are you guys hungry? Like bacon, egg, and cheeses. I'm like, what about bed? Like yeah, you should like, go, go to bed, bed woman. <laughs> Rest. No, but it's it's that like it's that work ethic, and again, like with that, like my mom, obviously working for the town, doing manual labor. Like my dad does construction. He has his, he had his own business when I was uh, growing up. These are not people like I said that worked in corporate America. So when I was trying to get a job, I didn't know how to act. I didn't really know how to dress. Like my knowledge of corporate America is what I see in movies and TV shows. Like, so yeah, if you don't know, for me, like Femme is truly an outlet for the you know for the young women who have no idea what one what they want to do, two if it's even feasible for them, and three how they can get there. I mean, again, like, as I said before, like, senior year, spring semester, no internship. I knew nobody. None of my family members were in corporate America. Nobody could put in a good word for me. There was nothing. And I had friends who were like, oh, my aunt owns a marketing company. My aunt's the VP of this company in the city. My cousin does this. My sister does this. And I'm like, holy crap. My parents are incredible people. They have incredible jobs. Like, they've built an awesome life for me. But what the hell? Like, where do I go from here? Yeah, like, what do I do? Who do I connect with? And it's fun. Funny because I was telling Melissa before there so I work in a very physical setting whereas Melissa obviously is more corporate more computer-based technology-based Melissa within sitting here of an hour has taught me so friggin much about computers <laughs> and whatnot and I just think it's so essential even that you're a part of them because like you said like even I you know, I'm, I do have a job. I do have a career, a lifelong career right now. And there's so many things I don't even know about the computer. I'm like, what's Google calendar, Melissa? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not to take it that far, but there's like such tiny things that I feel Melissa brings to the table that she can teach so many of you, even just, even if you're already in the career, the corporate career, yeah. kind of maybe you're in a, an industry that's male dominated or you kind of don't know that next step to take that yeah. Melissa can kind of be like, oh, well, this is how I got here. Yeah. I know there are, there are a ton of people with a similar personality to what I have when I first started. Like I'm very much that person. Like if I go into a store and I'm looking for something, I will never ask anyone it's, like where to yeah. find something. I'm looking for it for myself until I'm literally at my wits end and then I'll ask a question. I don't highly recommend that um, like in a corporate setting but my thing when I first started I was so interested in like researching things first so and I know you know when I again when I first started ANC like there had been a little bit of a turnover at the time Um, there wasn't really a consistent basis for client service managers and client services account executives Um, there was a lot of like there was a swift transition people coming in and out people getting moved to different departments so our technology team was always so frustrated because they're like now we have to teach someone all these things again and and I was like on the phone with these people who are the most intelligent people I've ever spoke with and I'm like I want to learn I'm like I know that you guys don't want to teach this again because you've done this a million and one times but like I want to learn like you need to teach me and I promise you if you teach me one time this will be the last time you ever teach me and I literally would put them on speaker and record the conversation so that I could go back and like actually like reteach myself things yes, because it wouldn't like you get ahead it wouldn't like resonate at first because yeah. I'm, I'm also I like to think although I can like pick things up quickly I also do well when I'm like writing notes I, I remember things better when I write things down fit like physically so is that how you say like organized and learn yes and... I write everything down um otherwise I always say like out of sight out of mind yes. like so I need to get like the hand motion writing it down or I'll yes. forget that and it's then you there. can always have like a second secondary source mm-hmm. to organize but just yeah. like that initial exactly and when I was in like the initial um, phases because we work with a lot of like broadcast feeds and different specifications that we have to provide content for um, I would hear all these things like and I mean I know it sounds silly because you know it's it's pretty self-explanatory but I'm like vector files and pngs and jpegs and bmps I'm like what is this? Like, I was so green. So I would just Google things. I'm like, what is a vector file? How are you supposed to know these things? You're not. These are things that I yeah. even deal with every day because I have logos. I have marketing. Yep. I have social media. You yeah. didn't learn it in high school. No, no. And I was like a deer in the headlights. You know, when I was first starting out, I'm like, damn it. Do I ask this question or do I try to figure this out on my own? And my my first guess was always 
Try and figure it out on your own. And then and, it's always essential yes, to ask. I and I say that I say that now because I am the director of the department, so I've seen people like make mistakes that whether you know if they had just asked, maybe they could have okay, avoided that's it. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So if you're just trying to, all right. So that's actually a really, really yeah. good point. Don't actually act on something. Don't act on in, something until you're a hundred percent. I tell sure. people this all the time. I'm like, you're not stupid. No question is ever stupid. Yes. It's better to one hundred. 100% no and give someone the proper information or properly write something up yeah. or whatever, whatever the case might be, than to just guess and be like, ah, you know what? I half know this. Yeah. And it was actually one of our um, technology and implementation guys that was truly like, girl, ask a question. Like, it's, it's, awesome. he's like, it is okay to like ask the question. And he would literally have hour long phone calls with me to explain to me every, like, I, I tell him all the time, like, I would probably be nowhere without your I feel help. like people are scared <laughs> to ask because you, you feel stupid or you might yes. have that one coworker who's a bit snooty with you. Yeah. You always get the feel for who you can ask questions to a thousand and who percent. you can't. And, and I know that like in, you know, just in my opinion too, it's similar to like when you lend someone something to use. Like if I'm lending you, I'll use like my most recent example, like I'll use like a hair straightener. If I'm lending you my hair straightener to use one time, like that's great. But if you're using it every single time you're getting ready, every single day when you're getting for work, you should probably buy your own. Yes. Like at this point. Obviously, you shouldn't take advantage of it. Yeah. If someone's going to help you, that's one thing. But you should meet them at least 80%. And if you're going to take someone's time to really ask a question and to get deep into detail, make sure you're listening and make sure you're actually collecting all of the information. I like to make sure that I'm truly like understanding and I don't want someone to have to explain something to me million and one time that's why I always say like my leadership style when I have like when someone asks me a question at work I'm like did you try to figure it out on your own only because I want them to truly like sometimes it's you almost have to make that mistake to learn obviously I don't want anyone to make a mistake that could be a permanent issue for the company but like you know did you try yeah did you try and figure it out on your own did you you know deliberate a few did you trial and error a few times and if they did and they're truly hitting a wall and they're frustrated then I'll absolutely walk them through the process and teach them how to do it um or I'll have them pretty much like 75 percent do it yes and then I'll just be like that little yeah like what should you do next little boost you know it i'm like you know I'm, what you're doing i'm making hand motions as if you all can see me i'm like this little boost as if you can see me doing these maybe things. one day we'll vlog and, yeah, and then i just realized i'm like no one can see me doing these things so i have to speak oh my god so going into femme who who is your ideal femme kind of who you get inspiration from or who yeah. just who is your idol when it comes to femme yeah i have a I have probably, I mean, I know there's just oh my God, there's so to many. pick one. There's a I million have, phenomenal women. Like, I literally have a few in my mind that I can truly say are just so incredible to me. And, like, what they've been able to do is is awesome. I mean, um, for starters, one of my first, first mentors, and I don't even know if she understands that I, like, see her this way, but she was my assistant athletic director in college, uh, Julian Fisher. And um, <laughs> she is just, like, you know, to one, to be a female in that position is incredible. I mean, you're an assistant AD you're managing all of the athletes at our school all of the logistics and it's it can be a nightmare I mean you have a a million and one people going to a million and one different places and my senior year I I worked with her as like a school paid job um and she was just incredible like to talk me through each of the processes like she was an awesome reference she actually was a reference for me when I was applying to A&C um, and I like to think that, you know, it was her good word that really probably pushed me over the edge. But she was one of those people that's like, she was super nice and everybody loved her. But like, if you wronged her, like she would put you in your place and she never hesitated to do that. It's great. And I felt like as a female to be exposed to that from a work setting was huge from for me. From a young age. Yes, it was huge. Um, and I knew she was tough and I knew she expected like the, you know, top of the line. She, she really expected that. Um, and obviously from like a personal standpoint I mean I can't possibly think of anyone more than my own mom (laughs) I mean it sounds like incredibly cliche and corny to pick your mom but she like my mother has like had such a like a tough upbringing a tough life I mean she truly is 
like the epitome of of femme to me like she gives zero f's about like she will do whatever she has to do her work is her priority her family is her priority i mean i don't even know how you can make three different things your priority but like she does it and she does it so well i mean she works all day she comes home she cooks dinner i mean she's like an old-fashioned woman with like the work mentality that like so many people like struggle to figure out a balance and she's done it my entire life a phenomenal woman and it's it really is wild how you know Obviously, I've seen that. I'm like, I come. <laughs> it's so funny because I'll go to work now and I'll do like my nine, you know, my nine to five, my nine to six, and then I come home and I'm like, all right, cook dinner, and then Bed. like I'm Dead. exhausted. <laughs> like it's nine thirty. I'm like, how is it nine thirty? My mom can make rice and chicken in a half hour. Like I'm like, what the hell? Like this is crazy. Um, and she's definitely set the bar very, very high. Yes. Um, for like uh, being a wife, a mother, you know, an employee, um, and uh, just a friend, like. She's the most loyal person, um, but she's definitely femme. And I know that, like, we have conversations about femme in the kitchen, and she's like, what is this? Yeah, like, she's a cute girl. <laughs> she's so cute. She's so cute. Yeah, we were, like, writing our mission statement on, like, a huge piece she's of white laughing. paper. <laughs> she's just laughing. She's literally just laughing at us. She's but like, not in a mean way. It's like, oh, you girl. She's just, she has, like, no idea what will come of this, and neither do we. But I think it's just so awesome to, like, have the, the platform. Um, yes, you know for for this, and I hope that people like it as as much as we do. Um, I know, I'm just like thinking back to when you interviewed me, and I'm like I'm just such the devil because that's how I feel about my mom and my three sisters yes, out of here. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm just sitting here like blasting Oprah. No, to Oprah heaven, are you kidding me? Heaven you took above. Oprah, so I couldn't use her. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's true. There's such strong women in our lives, and. Honestly, I'm going to have to agree with you as to why. Yeah. It's, it's just a huge reason as yeah. to why. And it's just Absolutely. refreshing and nice. And it's time. It's time. Yeah. It's time to bring it, it to is, the light. It is time, my friends. It, it has been time. time. It has been time. All right. So on another note, <laughs> on, on another time, um, do you feel that as a young female in your specific industry that it's like, not impossible, but essentially you just have to be very thick-skinned to get through it. Yes. Um, I yeah, I would a thousand percent agree with that. I think being able to sort of like roll with the punches is one thing. Um, I also think, too, that in my particular job right now, there's nobody really breaking the mold. Like, I'm sort of breaking the mold, I guess you could say. Creating the procedures, creating the processes. And I love that because you can really be super innovative. Like you can look things up and what is a different company doing that we can do that will spark creativity with the team, that'll spark momentum. Um, I mean, I take pride in the fact that my entire department is literally 22, 23, 24, 25 year olds. I feel like there's so much energy and there's so much untapped potential in there. And And innovation is huge. Yes. And I don't want to ever get comfortable. I think people get promoted to positions of leadership and they're just like, mama, I made it. Here I am. Or they abuse it. Yeah. either, Yeah. Either you get comfortable, you abuse it. You know, or you you do something with it and you succeed and you you know create something incredibly awesome that was never done before. And just keep going. Yeah, yeah, and I I tell everybody which that's what's been so great at A and C is that you can do virtually anything. I mean, again, like I I don't know that there's like not that I'm like saying oh I'm so great, but like I don't know that there would have been a lot of people that would have been in that role. And then with all the transition that took place during the certain times that I was there, that they would roll with the punches like that. And that they would have been like, all right, like, you know, this sucked, but like, we're going to get better and we're going to move with it. And I think I did a good job of rolling with the punches and I did a good job of saying, all right, who cares that this happened? Let's figure it out and get better. Like, let's improve. Let's not just sit on the negativity. Let's not just cry about something at home. Let's get better. Every morning when you're waking up, get better. Don't just continue to remain like stagnant and consistent and you're just like, how do you, so like what keeps you motivated? What keeps you pushing and wanting to be innovative and just basically a huge, just like a huge advocate for the people who work on yeah I just started this new thing like it was one of my new year's resolutions where um if I was ever laying in bed and I'm not knocking social media because I am like an avid viewer of like trash tv but like (laughs) I I said to myself I'm like if I ever catch myself laying in bed and just scrolling through Instagram Facebook or Twitter I'm gonna stop myself and do something productive and 
uh, it has like it has worked for me so far. I mean, I obviously you have those like lazy Sundays where you're just like laying in bed for like hours. It's disgusting. Munching on like penne yeah. vodka and like losing <laughs> your mind and like eating tons of bread. And then you're like, what? Like this is, was not a productive day. Like let's get it together. Um, and I actually, I personally, and I, I saw this like affecting me from like a work standpoint. I was going out a lot. I was doing a lot of um. Uh, you know, like just going out with friends a lot. Like I would be drinking on the weekends and then Monday would roll around and I'd be like, ugh, Monday, like Mondays suck. Like, oh, Sunday scaries. And then I actually, you know, my new year's resolution was to do that way less and to actually be like thankful that I have a job on Monday morning and that I'm actually going to the office and happy. So what I, what I try to do with that is I watch a lot of documentaries and I think femme has really helped like the idea of femme in my mind has really helped sort of spark my the creativity creativity and spark my mind into thinking about things that are positive. Um, because right now, like if I think of like the generation of women that are, that are, you know, entering in college and coming out, they're going to need someone like me, in my opinion, like they're going to need someone like me in a position of power. I cannot get to a position of power if I'm drinking every weekend and like making it to Monday and not knowing what the hell I'm looking at in my office. Yeah, you can have you like know? a healthy you can balance, have, but I find you that You can have hard. that fun. Yeah. Like you can have that fun. Like I love celebrating a birthday, but like why am I just going out on a Saturday because I'm bored? And thinking of, you know, putting femme in my mind and like putting that in my thoughts, I was like, all right, um, you know, if I want the future females of this world to succeed, then I need to be in a position of power. I need someone like me. I need to build and continue to develop people like me so that they can also be in these roles. That's awesome. And that was a huge, a huge motivator for me. And okay, so with that being said, like, what is your five-year plan, both career and femme oriented? Career-wise, like, I absolutely adore uh, client services and everything that I'm I'm doing in my role, and I hope to continue to to be innovative within that realm and to continue to push the envelope and to develop, you know, what I guess would be the millennial workplace um, for my department and to continue to motivate them, uh, you know, to love what they do. And, and even if, you know, they in, within five years they choose to go work for somewhere else, I want them to know that they need to stay motivated. They need to be able to take these ideals and this culture and, and you know, take it into a different role. You know, but work-wise, I hope maybe to be the VP of client services or, you know, I want to win a lot of, I want to win my goal. My, and I said this last year, like my goal was to win a client service award for ANC. Like I'm dying to win an award for our service because it's truly, I believe that we're pioneers in the service industry. And I believe that we're really on the forefront of serving our clients. And I want to sort of be almost recognized for that. I want our department to be recognized. And then my goal for FEM is to just continue to build a following. And then hopefully in five years, I mean, Hopefully this podcast is something grand. Maybe we'll be a TV show. God bless. Like We said we're going to be on Good Morning America. Yeah, like these are, I mean, (laughs) I just want people to, to listen to this, listen to our content, you know, and view our content and to actually learn from it, feel like empowered from from it, it, you know. I, I don't want you to spend an hour listening to, you know, Melissa Goncalves ramble on and on and then all of a sudden be like, well, that was, you know, didn't learn anything from that. Like, I want you to, I want you to feel, I want you to feel empowered. I want you to, after this, like go write a business plan. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Femmes. Fellow femmes. All right. So kind of to close off everything, if you had to say something inspirational and meaningful to a group of women, anything, just one thing, one thing that you've learned thus far in your corporate career or kind of from like spearheading this movement, what would it be? You know, we said this a little bit in in your podcast, but I'm all about being your truest self. And I think I battle a lot with my own anxieties. I'm very much in my own head. I'm always second guessing myself. But I've recently started to check myself at the same time. Like, is this decision pulling you towards being your truer self? Are you being 100% authentic to yourself? And if you are, and there's no need to be anxious. There's no need to second guess yourself because you are you. You're only you. No one is going to be you ever besides you. So if you're not doing what's best for yourself, then you're doing a disservice to yourself. My piece of advice is to always try and be authentic to you. And that's one of the hardest things for for a lot of people. But I know it's it's difficult for women because you're always so concerned about what everyone is thinking about you. But that's a lot of times where anxieties come from when you're so concerned about what everyone's thinking about you. So like if you take a step back and you're like, 
is this bringing me closer to being authentic to myself? Then you don't have anything to worry about. You can take a deep breath and be like, you know what? I'm serving myself. I love that. You know, positive and people catch on to that. Absolutely. Trying to start the the positive movement. Positive vibes. Positivity. (laughs) Positivity. Femme movement. Positivity. All right. So now that we learned all about Melissa, what a phenomenal, intelligent woman that she is. You know, we hope that you guys can take something from this and basically learn I mean I just learned so much and I know I know the girl you're so funny I'm like inspired and ready to like just be the best ever from listening to that um do you have any closing comments Melissa um I don't you know I've I've always been very adamant with femme too that like we're super reachable so like you can follow me on the gram Melissa Goncalves underscore underscore but I I literally will be that person who's like I'm at the career fair going email me email me your resume email me anything <laughs> like I I strive to be super reachable so if you ever have a question or if you're ever concerned and don't know where to turn in life like let me be an ear like I you know I talk a lot but I love to listen <laughs> that's what we're here for and if you ever need to reach either of us you can email f e m m e t e e at gmail.com we would love to hear from you love to hear from you episode three over and out Thank you so much for listening to us. Our next guest is a fire. Hashtag get fam.